Hello, welcome to Animation Celery. Crunchy conversations about classic cartoons. We're coming at you with music and fun. If you're not careful, you might learn something before it's done. Hey, hey, hey. I'm Micah. And I'm Matsy. Here on Animation Celery, every week we assign each other some cartoons to watch and then review and discuss. That's what we did last week, and that's what we're going to do this week. And first, we're just going to talk about whatever we want. What do you want to talk about, Micah? Okay, well, I'm I'm building a list of bad cartoon names. Not not uh, names of the shows themselves, but of characters. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, on this list so far, I have Buzz Wang from the Galaxy Rangers. <laughs> He's kind of this uh, effete kind of robot character. All right. Um, I have Snow Job. The skier from, <laughs> from G.I. Joe. <laughs> from G.I. Joe. I yeah. had that figure. I think he came with some kind of ski, like snowmobile thing. Mm. <laughs> yeah. he, he, he's an Olympic skier. Oh, um, is he? Yeah. And you know, on the on the Joe show, they dumped mm. on all the Arctic Joes all the time. Well, what are it's you like, going to do with them? <laughs> well, they can at least be cool when they have a reason to be on the show. Yeah, that's true. Um, but he's the worst of them because he has a name that makes kids snicker. I don't even kind think, of. I, I don't even think kids can textually know what a snow job is. Well, so. no, I mean, I didn't. Yeah. Like, I was like, okay, he's a guy with a backpack and skis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next on my list, I've got some go bots. <laughs> what? All of them? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's some stand standouts. There's Pumper and Dumper. Uh, yep. So Pumper's a fire engine and Dumper's a dump truck. Yep. And I think in the lore, they're brothers. Um, <laughs> okay, I got. I went a different angle here. Burn Thompson, the boss of Channel 6. Uh, the major, oh, really? Well, the major oh. problem with his name is that people stumble on it being so close to Vernon. Hmm. So... Mm. Even like fans of, of uh, the 89 Turtles, when they have to say his name or they, they couch it like, uh, Burn, Burn Thompson, I guess, even though they know the show in and out, right? Right. I think even if they called him Bernie, it's still too close. Yeah. <laughs> um, I got, uh, this will probably be the tops. I, I don't okay. think I can displace it. <laughs> Ninjas. From Botsmaster. And it's spelled Man. it's spelled as bad as you could think. Oh great. All but, right. But not not only not only is it bad then, but that actual term has entered the urban dictionary. Oh great. <laughs> so yeah, he got worse. <laughs> <laughs> Which is too bad because he's actually pretty cool. He mm -hmm. just has a terrible name. I'm trying to think about what bad name I mean the the, when you mentioned GoBots, the first one that came to my mind was a forklift named Spoons. Um, <laughs> he should be uh, for um, uh, people that are plagued with anxiety. That, sh that should be yeah. on, the, on the reboot. That should be his, his personality trait. I don't have enough spoons. Well, yeah. And, and I mean, he's it's a forklift. Forks. You could have called him Forks. You called him Spoons. Yeah. yeah. Um, here's an understated one. What? Doofus from DuckTales. I think Doofus is okay. Yeah. 
You don't, you think it's a bad name? Well, why would you call yourself that? Like it, it, it pegs him. I mean, they, they reworked him for the DuckTales reboot uh, in 2017. Hmm. Um, and I think he's a cool character in that, but like, you know, he shows up, he's not in the DuckTales pilot, like, you know, first part about the city of gold. Um, no, but he kind of just shows up as this, there's never an introduction. He's just there as uh Huey, Dewey and Louie's friend. And you're like, wait, doofus. Well, I mean, you know why, right? I'm sure it's cause writers felt that Huey, Dewey and Louie were not interesting. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So they wanted a duck with a little personality. I don't know. There's, yeah. there's there's a bunch of characters that I think people might suggest to me, and I would say no. Those names are good. Like Fisto, <laughs> Fisto's a great name. Uh, that's man. That's the that's the name that everybody always dumps on in He Man. Yeah, I think it's great. My when I first back in the eighties when it was it was hard to know when there were new. Um, Masters of the Universe toys coming out. You wouldn't know until you saw a commercial for it, until it, or it just showed up in the store. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had this friend who was telling me, "It's like, oh, there's a new uh, Masters of the Universe. It's called Fister." <laughs> yeah. And then they, I was like, "Oh, neat." And then later I discovered, "Oh, it's Fisto." Okay. You know when they re-released his toy, they couldn't call him Fisto. Really? Yeah, he was uh, Battle Fist. And hmm. it's because, you know, trademarks have like different uses, right? And they, mm. they let the toy one elapse and uh, Lucasfilm, the, the green, he, he's a green Jedi with uh, kind of tendrils on his head. Oh. His name is Kit Fisto. Oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah. So That's they interesting. So for a little while, they couldn't name uh, Fisto Fisto on the toy packaging. Hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. So anyway, aside from uh, making up a silly list, um, I watched the first episode of Modoc. Oh, I saw that pop up. I yeah. I, I saw a tiny bit of it, but I didn't really watch it with any kind of intensity. Well, you know, I like Patton Oswalt and I like Modoc. Yeah. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I kind of fear that he won't be in Marvel movies because they're doing this, but um, it sucked though. <laughs> oh, oh, <okay>. yeah. <laughs> It's kind of um, like, uh, I don't put this exactly like the, the humor. It's very now, but that means it's also very old. Mm. You know what I mean? Like there's, if you've watched Venture Brothers before, then you're getting a second helping here. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. Hmm. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's hard for me to think that the creators of the show made each other laugh <laughs> when they told any of these jokes. <laughs> You know, it's just, it's like perfunctory. Here's this one. Here's that one. He's a bad dad. He's a bad boss. Or Robot Chicken, I guess. If you've watched Robot Chicken before, you're getting a second help. Not just the animation, but the style of humor. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think I'll be giving that a second go. And uh, otherwise, I've, I've played the heck out of Cuphead. Oh, tell me all about what you think of Cuphead. I like it. Um, yeah. Now, it was... Not what I was expecting. Like, I'd seen clips of it before, but I was under the impression that one of the things, because people talked about how hard it was, I thought yes. there were full platforming levels and then bosses, but there's actually like four platforming levels and all so, bosses. The story of this is that Cuphead was in development for a long time. Mm. Um, it kind of, there was some uh, E3, Electronics Entertainment Expo, many years ago 
where it was just part of Microsoft's presentations. Like this, you know, just a little, this is coming out, this is coming out, and this is coming out. And everyone went, whoa, wait, wait, what was that? Yeah, stands Um, out. And then they didn't make a big deal out of it. Mm. And then people played it, and all the levels were boss fights. Yeah. And people just kind of went, oh, I sort of thought this was going to be a platformer. And so Mm. Studio H. DSR or who I can't remember the name of the producers, but like they just kind of went, Oh, huh. People are kind of underwhelmed by this boss fight thing. Well, uh, let's put in some platforming levels too. So the majority of the game is boss fights, but there are some platforming levels as well. Um, and, and the reason for that is because the platforming levels were tacked on after the fact. Okay. It's studio MDHR. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't really miss it because the, the boss battles are as long as levels anyway. Yes, that's exactly it. Yeah. Um, and they're interesting. And I don't think I could have like, I don't think I could have played a run and gun level and then done a boss level, a boss uh, fight without being very frustrated. True. Um, yes. Yeah. I, I don't think it's as hard as people say it is. Hmm. Like, I think they th- people think it's exceptionally hard. And I think it's just like classic NES hard. It's okay. like arcade port hard. Um, mm. well, there's a couple of different difficulty settings, aren't there? Like, well, yeah, I'm play only on playing, it. I'm only playing the standard so far. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I have gotten to, uh, the, uh, dice man who's pretty darn hard. Yeah. Like, going through all those, except, you know, you get used to him and you, uh, I haven't beaten him yet because, you know, you get to that point where I'm cursing myself out for taking a hit on bosses that I can do no hit and, and so on. But, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, really fun. Uh, it's, it's kind of weird. Cause like part of the challenge is that, uh, Cuphead and Mugman are kind of slow. <laughs> yeah. And I feel sometimes like the hitboxes of the enemies is a little generous to them. So, okay. To where I think like, Oh, I didn't touch him. I was like, <laughs> I was, I was on the corner formed between his head and shoulder, you know? <laughs> That kind of thing. Um, yeah. yeah. And I, uh, immediately I gravitated toward the, uh, the invincible dodge. Yeah. Which I think if you play it two players, you can't both buy the same thing. I would bet. Yeah. I'm not sure. I haven't played it two player. Yeah. It'd be hard for me not, not to play with the invincible dodge. There's yeah. some, sometimes I'll switch off for something else, but, uh, it, it, you know, allows me to basically not do levels the way they're supposed to be done. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, you have to hit the thing to get over that thing. It's like, well, why don't I just wait for the enemy to come and dodge through it? But. I've seen some speed runs of Cuphead. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the dominant strategy is there's there's two particular um, weapon upgrades. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can have, like, I think you can have two equipped and you can switch between them. Right. Um, and so there's some weird technique involving very rapidly switching back and forth between the two shots or between the two shot types um, in such a way that you can shoot them both at the same time oh. and essentially do double damage. Okay. Um, so that's kind of the, the dominant cuphead speed run strategy. Last yeah. I saw, I don't think I'll get so deep into this. As to no, start no. doing that. My, my shots of choice are the, uh, uh, the boomerang shot hmm. and uh, the short range spread. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, Pretty it's fun. Been, it's been a while since I played it, so I don't remember like my loadout of choice. 
Mm. Uh, I think it looks great. What do you think? Yeah, same here. Same here. Yeah. Looks really good. It's kind of funny. I'm like, parsing out different parts. Like, uh, does that really look classic? You know, like uh, mm-hmm. the, the rabbit mini boss, the way that he freaks out when he loses, looks kind of mm-hmm. modern to me, but what, whatever, right? Um, yeah. I like the um, uh, the mummy level where there's like the live action model in the background that you're flying mm-hmm. around, just like uh, Popeye and his 40 Thieves. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's hard for me to pick one that I guess is my favorite. Uh, mm. Um, I like the, the mouse was pretty fun. Um, yeah. you know, that's in the, in the contraption and then gives away to the cat in the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I thought the beehive was pretty good too. Yeah. That's all right. I like how <laughs> ropey, um, the cat's arms looked like really early Tom from Tom <laughs> right, and Jerry, right. like with yeah, all the yeah. spiky fur and stuff. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's not bad. I guess yeah. I guess I'll probably beat it this coming week, but uh, or who knows? Cool. Maybe maybe I'll just pick it up for an hour each day and not beat beat the dice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's my deal. Uh, what you've been doing? Well, last week I said there was something I've been meaning to watch and I hadn't had found the time to do it, mm-hmm. and I promised that I would do it this week. Yeah. And I did. Okay. I watched the first episode at least. Yeah. Um, it's an anime of all things. <gasps> Called Cells at Work. Oh, yeah, great. Yeah, you know this one? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Cells at Work. It's on Netflix, so anybody can watch it. It's mm. um, it's a depiction of the human body as a society where all the cells are people doing jobs. Uh, the main character being a red blood cell who is kind of a rookie and kind of hapless and mm. uh, gets lost easily uh, in her job, which is doing what red blood cells do, which is courier work, couriering packages of oxygen to various parts of the body where they're needed, and then taking CO2 back to the lungs or maybe shipping nutrients around. And I love that the nutrients are like baskets of like hoagies and things like that. Yeah. Um, And her path seems to always cross with this particular white blood cell. Yeah. Um, And the white blood cells job is to fight off, uh, various viruses and bacteria. Uh, the first episode is a, uh, a pneumococcus. Staphylococcus? No, not staph. Oh. It's pneumo. Pneumococcus. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, a respiratory infection, basically. Right. I like, <laughs> you know, the f- battles inside the body are pretty, can look pretty cool when you have this monster mm. um, being fought off. And I, <laughs> I noted at one point, you know, the, the white blood cells fighting this thing with its knives and like doing these anime style slashes of gigantic splurts of blood that coats everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at this blood and thinking like, these guys are blood. They are blood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's some um, SpongeBob logic there. Yeah. Kind um, of. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I've, I've watched the first episode. Um, mm. I like that the platelets platelets are small blood cells that build clots yeah. and, in this show, platelets are little kids that do construction work, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a neat concept. I like it. I would watch more of that. Yeah. One of the things is that I wish more of the uh, more of the cells looked weird because mm-hmm. the white blood cells are all white, which you know kind of characterizes them. But a lot yeah. of them look too just you know standard human to me. But mm. 
Yeah. Well, like they they have like I like all the red blood cells hats are these like kind of squishy looking red berets, which really look like red blood cells. Right. Right. Um, Yeah. It's cute ideas. Yeah. I wonder if this is the kind of show that they should show at school. Cause I, I've, I've seen like a lot of uh, people that review this feel like, yeah, this is great. You know, like a lot of uh, medical students and the like, well, it is like, I, it, it was, you know, anime often spends like long stretches of time standing there explaining the threat that's in front of them. Right. Yeah. And so, and that's what this was doing in to some extent. It's like, this is a, this is a pneumococcus bacteria and it, and you know, mm-hmm. the white, that white blood cells explaining what it can do to the lungs and the brain and stuff. And I'm like, is this supposed to be educational? Yeah, it is kind of. It kind of is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, that's cool. Yeah. Good show. Uh, yeah. I saw it, it. It popped up. Like I saw a little clip of it like a while ago. Hmm. I thought, well, this is, this looks neat. I should probably watch more of this. And it's taken me until now to finally do it. Yeah, I watched the, I watched that first series. Um, mm. There's a second season which I have not watched yet, and I watched the beginning of uh, like a parallel series. It's like yeah, cells at work black. Yeah, yeah, that takes place in a older, unhealthy person. Oh dear. Oh yes. <laughs> See, it's it's a darker show. Hmm. But huh? Interesting. Well, yeah, yeah. nice, to, nice to know that there's. Uh, I, I, I guess I had seen um, cells at work black, like the name. I didn't know what it was when I saw right. the T cells in this uh, in the episode of Cells at Work. They're all dressed in black. T oh, cells okay. are like super white blood cells, yeah, sort of. Um, and I kind of thought maybe uh, Cells at Work Black was going to be about them. No, but uh, huh. I think okay. episode, I think episode two of the first season is about them actually. Oh, okay. Well, speaking of educational cartoons, uh, mm. our theme for this week was cartoons for very small children. And I gave one to Micah to watch. Tell me what you think of Peep in the Big Wide World. Uh, I like it. So I gave one to you. No. Uh, okay. So Peep in the Big <laughs> Wide World. Um, so this series and the National Film Board short from which it's derived were created by Kai Pindle. It's traditional animation and centers around a chick, a young chicken, I mean, named Peep, and Peep's friends chirp a robin and quack a duck. And the three younglings explore the world around them, and they learn about commonplace concepts. The first episode you gave me is, this is one of those cartoons that has two storylines in it, the first one was Quack Hatches an Egg. So the three childbirds are hanging around in a tree next to a nest. And Quack professes to be bored while the mother bird attends to her eggs. But when the chick hatches, however, Quack's heart melts. And so later on, the three of them are pondering the cycle of egg to bird and then bird to egg. A raccoon interrupts them and then informs them that the eggs come from cartons. Further... He gifts them a baseball, which he claims is an egg. Quack sits on it to hatch the egg, but its round shape rolls out from under him and becomes lost. So begins the search for a new egg. A rock, a balloon, and a golf ball each seem like an egg at first, but the canny crew 
discern them properly. Quack sits on the egg. Oh, they, they, find, they find a proper egg. Uh, and Quack sits on it. But when it hatches, a baby tortoise comes out. Chirp and Peep have to break the news to Quack that it's not a baby duck. I like this here where uh, uh, I think it's Peep who says this. Uh, but he doesn't have feathers or a beak or a hat. <laughs> so the, the tortoise gets in the water and life's mysteries remain as they puzzle that eggs come from, tor- from I think it's a turtle. Eggs come from turtles. And, or rather turtles come from eggs and thus eggs come from turtles. And the end of this one, and all of them, there's a live action segment. In this case, it's children observing chicks hatching uh, from eggs. So uh, I got some first impressions on this episode. Uh, The character designs for Peep, Chirp, and Quack are very simple. Uh, They're kind of one step beyond angry birds. (laughs) I didn't think about that, but yeah. It's kind of weird, right? Because like the other animals are more complex. They look like you know, animals, whereas these are kind of blobs with legs. Yeah. Like <laughs> early on when Quack revealed he was a duck, it revoked my uncertainties about what he was. <laughs> oh, did you notice this? Like this can be in some, a lot of cartoons where the effect is like everything's being redrawn at every frame. So their lines are wobbling. Yeah. You can really see it in the close-ups, right? A little bit. Yeah. But it's just these three characters' uh, shapes. Like, their legs don't wobble. Their eyes and their beak don't wobble. The top of Quack's hat does wobble. Not the brim, but... My guess is, because computers have made it so easy to animate things without that wobble, Mm. actually including the wobble has become a stylistic choice. Yeah. Uh, And uh, now it's weird that, like, one part of the hat would be wobbling and not another. I would assume that's, like you know, one object in the animation program having its wobble when, and you know, the rest of it was neglected accidentally or something, but uh, yeah. I'd like to think it, the wobbles organically made by them redrawing it, but I think it's probably like algorithmically wobbling. Yeah. Um, I would sometimes do uh, animated gifts of i i said before that i used to do a web comic and sometimes i would have mm. like i think there was one instance on i think it was on tumblr where i had like i don't know april fool's day or something mm. and i had static panels but animated and so uh, i would like i redrew each one in the mm. same plate like from the same construction lines yeah and animated it with those it would only be like three frames but I would just have them going enough that it looked like it was a wobble. Yeah. And that was your, your special, your animated special, huh? Yeah, pretty much. I, I can't remember if it, I, it was probably, it was probably like a Halloween thing of all the characters in different costumes or something. I don't remember. It was a long mm. time ago. That's pretty cute. Yeah. So the, these, these three, uh, you notice their, uh, their charming, distinct walks. Like Quack has a waddle that leans mm-hmm. him this way and that. And Chirp, for the most part, hops. Yep. And Peep has this kind of mosey. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, oh, uh, the voice works pretty good. And then uh, for, like, I guess, celebrity power, the narrator is Joan Cusack. Yeah. Which is fun, but I think it really shows how half her crazies in her face. 
<laughs> she doesn't seem that nuts here, right? I mean, I guess she shouldn't. Mm, no. I mean, she has certain moments where she's like, you know, she's like telling the story the way she thinks it should go, but then it doesn't actually go that way. And so she's like, uh, or like, you know, she, she kind of stops the narration, like second guessing it because of what's actually right, happening. Right, right. Uh, there was there was a show that I actually researched when I was looking for kids shows. It was, oh, I don't. It's Puffin something. Maybe it's Puffin Island. Um, oh, I th- I think I'm aware of. Like I think I've seen that. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah. The narrator on that is Chris O'Dowd from uh, IT Crowd. Huh. And I guess he he pretty much is himself there. <laughs> mm, yeah. Anyway, well, Joan Cusack has such a distinct voice. Like as soon as you hear. And, you know, she's she's not, you know, famous cartoon voice actor or whatever. But anytime no. she's in a movie or something, like, you immediately recognize her voice. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's a Lincoln, Lincoln all back We're, uh, to uh, Adam's Family. Yeah, yeah. Man. She was in the first Adam's Family movie. Yeah, so that, that, was, that was a look at this one. And, you know, I, I li- liked it, actually. Mm-hmm. The second part of this, this episode is called The Whatchamacallit. And... It begins, the three kids find a wallet, and they're wary but interested in it. And then they're distracted when the fibbing, the fibbing raccoon shows up, and he convinces the birds that he's got a far more interesting whatchamacallit. So back at the raccoon's trash can home, he looks for his whatchamacallit. In the meanwhile, the birds scale a metal drainage half pipe that leans against his trash can, and by accident... They discover that sliding down it is pretty fun. Peep recognizes that things slide down, but don't slide upward. The distractible raccoon joins in the fun. Though he's too big to slide down the pipe, he helps out by lifting one end to varying degrees to let the birds slide on it and recognize that the angle affects the speed of their slide. And then rather meaninglessly, the raccoon deems that a cat squeak toy is what he was looking for but it's a familiar bore to the kids. <laughs> the live action segment is two girls experimenting with ramps and rolling balls down them, including how balls of different masses and sizes roll differently. And I think about this cartoon generally, but this one uh, more so than the first is I like the learning is very down to earth. Yeah. Like, the info is stuff the kids watching it probably already knew, but perhaps haven't thought about. Yeah. Like the idea of, you know, the angle of a slide or the mass of the thing going down the slide, like affecting the speed and stuff. Like mm-hmm. when you think about it, that's pretty high level stuff. Like that's, that's the kind of thing that I was learning. I mean, you know, more deeply, obviously, but it's like concepts that were introduced as, Hey, this is a concept that you should be aware of in like eighth grade science class. Hmm. And like the idea that this is like, you know, kids discover these things on their own at a young age. Like that's, that's really neat. Right. And I think, uh, it's nice and organic to the storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you say it's like high level stuff, right? But like some of these shows will be like, you know, what does this guy do at the factory? <laughs> Which, yeah, you know, is sort of might as well be an alien planet, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas I, th- I think all this stuff is pretty grounded, and I think that works pretty nicely. Well, yeah, it's it's all stuff that's you know very much in a kid's world, like mm. like the egg. Like you know, it doesn't <laughs> obviously it doesn't explain the details of where eggs come from, 
Mm. But it's like, yeah, think about this, kids. There's various right. things that come from eggs. So I can summarize some of the uh, the other couple cartoons yeah. in the other episode. Um, the one uh, is Who Stole the Big Wide World? And in it, Peep wakes up on a foggy morning and discovers that everything is gone. But he's relieved when the ground still exists. But he's momentarily alarmed when he moves far no- uh, away enough from his home, a can, that he can't see it anymore. But he goes back and finds it again. Peep finds Quack at his pond, and the duck is equally perplexed. He does the same thing where he wanders far enough away from his pond that he thinks it's gone. But when the two find Chirp the robin, he sensibly tells, or she actually, I think, sensibly tells them that it's just a fog. And just then, Squeak, a mouse, happens by and expresses worry over being unable to find her way back home because of, uh, there's an emergency there. And the three birds agree to help her search. And in the fog, the group uses landmarks, their senses, and their reasoning to figure out how to get Squeak home. The emergency turns out to be a leaf on Squeak's brick house. And then the live action segment has kids at a park where they take turns moving while blindfolded and the others help uh, the unseeing child navigate. Yeah. So in the, in this cartoon, I, I quite like Squeak and the way she moves. Mm-hmm. Like... She just kind of ambles and wobbles like a video game slime. <laughs> right? So it got yeah. no legs visible while she's walking. Yeah. All the cartoons, but I think probably this one particularly has Quack as the fall guy and buffoon. Yeah. Like there's a bit where uh, uh, the narrator talks about all the things, all the hazards they avoid, but he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> he steps into the brambles, falls into the puddle and so on. Well, he's like, that's his character. Like he thinks he's the big shot who knows everything and uh, is yeah. the most oblivious of them all. <laughs> yeah. And hey, it's the doofus factor. Yeah. 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 They're the, they're the most interesting characters. He even looks kind of like doofus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's got the hat too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the last one was M-U-D spells trouble. So Peep and Chirp are saddened because the rain stalls their play. But Quack, being a duck, really enjoys the rain. When the rainfall stops, the group resume their game of tag. The muddiness, however, makes it very difficult to run and chase. But the three find that there's fun to be had rolling around in the mud and slinging at each other. Eventually, they tire and leave. The slipperiness of their mud makes them trip up And Peep and Quack, luckily and incidentally, have their mud washed off when they land in a puddle and in the pond. Chirp, unfortunately, becomes trapped in her sun-baked mud. Uh, When Quack helps Chirp out by throwing water, because she's thirsty, at her stiffened uh, form, Peep recognizes that the water is what liquefies the mud. So despite her misgivings for getting in the water, Chirp gets in there and finally gets free. And at the live action part, children experiment with making mud, shaping it, and then drying it. So I feel like parents wouldn't have minded so much if they came home and their kids had a, uh, like a cardboard ramp that they were rolling marbles down. (laughs) More so 
than if they hadn't watched this episode and had their children come home all muddy. Yeah. It was all right, this one. Yeah. You know, I think uh, one of the charms of the show is the music, Mm -hmm. which is very folksy. It's like largely uh, banjo, bass, and clarinet. Yeah. Yeah. With like a couple instances of steel drum or juice harp. Yeah, it's kind of percussive, like almost, almost, but not quite. The way that the music in Looney Tunes is kind of the sound effects of characters moving around. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. how, you know, Bugs Bunny were running upstairs and the music will go like, dun, 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 dun. It's right. almost like that. Not quite. Right. But more of like an easygoing pace. Yeah. Yeah. There's one bit I was thinking where the director probably couldn't help his, uh, like, Ren and Stimpy, your SpongeBob instincts, where uh, Quack's eyes were adjusting, like looking one way, the other, and then another way, and it was <laughs> all just like drum beats, dum, 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 for each yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. So this is interesting. Like, what? Where did you first decide to watch this? I saw this on TV many years ago. Um, mm. I just stumbled across it. And went, oh, what is this? Because the character designs of it are so charming. Hmm. They're, I love the way these characters look. And I learned more about it later. I think what actually happened was I, I thought, oh, that's a cool show. And then many years later, I was browsing around. It might have been the National Film Board of Canada's uh, YouTube channel or something. Mm-hmm. And there was the short peep and the big wide world. And I went, What? And I went and looked and like, that was the origin of this. And it's Mm. always just stuck with me. Like it's, it's just a, a really charming, uh, cartoon series for kids. Like a great character design will go a long way with me. Mm -hmm. And I love the way, like Quack's face, like just the way that he, you know, it's just a line and a couple of eyes like his bill is just one big thick yeah. line that divides into two lines when he's talking but the way that it moves around as yeah, he's yeah. talking or smiling or anything like the it's so expressive it's it's so minimalist like it's it's there's nothing here that doesn't have to be here yeah um but it works so well and that's basically what it is like the the character design of it and like the 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 good nature you know the good heart of it like the simplicity you know the it's not there's not a villain there's no world threatening um calamities it's mm. like you know where can we find an egg like what what happened where what's this fog doing you know that kind of thing like minor things for little kids to discover in this world i like yeah, that like like and it does it better i think like because it all works on the narrative mm-hmm so when I was like looking up cartoons for this theme, there was all kinds of educational cartoons, but you know, a lot of them are kind of like, well, here's some robots and they're going to tell you a thing, you know, or oh, sing yeah. a thing about a thing, right? Yeah. Or, you know, here's some animals and they work on a place and they're going to tell you about a thing. I don't know. Yeah. This is, like you said, organic. Yeah. And also a lot of those cartoons don't look very good too, so. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a nice pick because it kind of... You know, the, the voice works good, too, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody particularly famous except for Joan Cusack, as far as I know. But, like, you know, yeah. Peep and Chirp sound perfectly fine, and Quack is appropriately comedic with his his weird 
his voice is almost wobbly in a way. Like it kind of like you can see how that voice is coming out of that shape of animal, and how he occasionally <laughs> punctuates his sentences by going quack. Yes, bird grimace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but cute stuff. Yeah. yeah, I like it. Good. I'm glad you liked it. This it's stuck in my head for many years. Okay. Well, um, how about we talk about a more recent edition then? I gave you to talk about Heidi 3D. Yeah, Heidi, uh, a computer animated series from 2015. Uh, it's based on a famous Swiss novel, uh, two mm. novels, actually. Um, Heidi, Her Years of Wandering and Learning, and Heidi, How She Used What She Learned, originally published in 1881 in Switzerland by the author Johanna Spiri, Spiri, rather, sorry, mm. Johanna Spiri. And the book is basically about a little girl who has to live with her grandfather in the Swiss Alps. Mm. And that is essentially what this is too. You gave me the first two episodes, uh, which are entitled Up to the Mountains and First Day in the Mountains. Mm. So... Heidi lives with her aunt, her mother having died when she was very young. And her aunt has obtained a new job in Frankfurt and can no longer look after her. And so she has to send Heidi to live with her grandfather in the Alps. Hmm. She is a little evasive about how the grandfather is going to take to having Heidi in his care. And right. as they're on the train ride up to the mountains, uh, various people, most notably a girl named Teresa, uh, explain that this grandfather, known as the uncle, is an ogre, almost literally, um, who is just mm -hmm. mean-spirited and antisocial and just a monster. Uh, mm. This is, continues when they reach the small town whose name I forget, but it's it's basically the German word for small town. Dorfil or something. Mm. Um, and everyone there has kind of the same impression. Like, oh, you're sending her to live with the uncle? Are you mad? Uh, Heidi, I noticed immediately, is instantly distracted by any animal. Uh, whether it is a right. mouse or a butterfly. She wanders away because she's following a butterfly. Um... She's kind of a handful, um, but they yeah, eventually she's capricious. Yes. Yes. Um, but uh, her aunt and her eventually get to the grandfather's house. And of course the grandfather is just as nasty as they say. Well, I shouldn't say just as nasty, but he is quite mm. antisocial and not amenable to the idea of this little girl living in the mountains, but the aunt kind of guilts him into it and she leaves and so Heidi is stuck with her grandfather, who doesn't really want her there. Um, mm. I'm kind of mixing both episodes together here, just because they do tell a continuous story, more or less. Um, I think you're still in the first, basically. Yeah, I think this is around where the first one ends, where she mm. she goes to sleep in the... Oh, her her grandfather has a dog and some goats. And she, you know... For lack of being given a bedroom, she just goes by herself to sleep in the little goat shack, I guess, barn. 
I don't know. Yeah. I guess he doesn't get posts up there. He doesn't get any mail because mm. uh, Detta just shows up and, you know, says, all right, you're looking after your granddaughter. Yeah. I wondered about that. I thought that's kind of, I was under the impression that he must have been given some kind of warning. And then hmm. it turned out he wasn't. I was like, well, this is just poorly planned. <laughs> um, yeah. The next day, which I think is where the next episode starts, uh, Heidi hmm. is interested in trying to help out a little bit, milking goats, but she is not very good at it. Um, there is a boy they met in the first episode named Peter, who is the goat hmm. general. Uh, he's not very talkative, but he kind of handles all the goats of the village. And the grandfather sends Heidi off with him. She yeah. is, she kind of gets in the way a little bit, but she's also doesn't like the way that Peter treats uh, miscreant goats and uh, mm. wins, wins them over with kindness. Although Peter is still kind of uh, not, not too accepting of the idea. Nobody that nobody is accepting of the idea of a little girl in this show. There's almost an accident where Heidi almost falls into a river, but is rescued by Peter. Uh, but shortly afterward, uh, one of the goats, one of uh, the grandfather's goats, is injured, not obeying the goat uh, general. Mm. Uh, the grandfather is very annoyed to find that one of his goats is injured and certainly hopes that uh, he's going to be okay. Or she, I guess she's going to be okay. Um, right. Because there will be punishment if uh, something happens to this goat. And Heidi, you know, she tries to take the heat. Like, she tries, you know, to explain that it wasn't Peter's fault that the goat ran away, that Peter was not paying attention to the goats because he was trying to save her because she had wandered off to look at some groundhog, once again, distracted by an animal. Um, mm. I don't know. The grandfather's warming up to her somewhat more or less guilted by his dog. Um, he even, he initially tries <laughs> to punish her by sending her to bed without supper, but the dog kind of glowers at him and insists that he give her some, well, insists that he give her some food, which he does by finally teaching her the correct way to milk a goat. And that's, I, I guess, <laughs> I guess when you're a hermit who only interacts with like a six or seven year old goat herd, <laughs> your dog is like your counsel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's more or less where this second episode ends. Hmm. Um, all right, some thoughts. The characters, well, anything animate, all the animals, the humans, mm -hmm. are ugly. Whoa. <laughs> Very badly done computer animation. But anything inanimate... All the backgrounds, the houses, the mountains, the sky are beautiful. I love the way the backgrounds in this look. It's like a painting. Yeah. It's Yeah, they really did a lot of work on that. They did. It like I kept thinking about it's almost it's sort of like a mobile game graphics if they were done well. Hmm. If that makes any sense. Like I kept thinking yeah, about no, I Yeah, I kept thinking about this like a video game, like, you know, Legend of Zelda linked to the no not Link to the uh, Breath of the Wild or something right. it, look, it doesn't look like that like that's kind of cell shaded but this looks it looks like a painting like it's yes it's so well done 
and it makes mm-hmm. the characters look so bad. <laughs> <laughs> you really hate these. I, I know. I do know what you're talking about. Like, um, uh, do you mean like the way sometimes uh, the shadows cast under their eyes and uh, it just looks their cheap and the like? It just looks cheap. It looks like you know mm. the. It's just one step above the computer animation that would have been around in like 1994. Whoa. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. This is like, um, it's kind of like if you watched the first Toy Story and tried to make the characters more detailed, but didn't really understand hmm. how to pull it off. Oh, well, that's pretty harsh. Think of what Sid looks like in Toy Story. Well, okay. Um, yeah, they're, they're a little floaty yeah. in this. Um, I don't know though. I, th- I, th- I think they have quite a bit of appeal. The characters myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean just their base designs. So this is like more even than the books. This is adapted from an old, uh, Miyazaki TV series. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I meant to mention that there have mm. been countless adaptations of like Heidi is one of the most popular books in the world. Um, probably the most popular Swiss book in the world. Um, It is, what, 140 years old now? Um, Mm. It's been adapted to everything. There have been um, movies. There was a 1937 motion picture with Shirley Temple um, to show you Mm. how far back this goes. But there has basically always been some kind of a Heidi. No, but I'm I'm saying this this one is based on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I couldn't help but think that everyone mm. except Heidi is a bad person. Like <laughs> the, yeah. the, the, there's a point where aunt Dee, Dee is, is talking to someone and saying how like, she, you know, some friend, like she's from this town and everyone's like, Oh, Dee, Dee you're back. Yeah. And so Heidi is off, you know, chasing butterflies. And this other woman is talking to Dee, Dee and she's like, Oh, you're sending her to the live with the uncle. And her justification is she's been looking after this girl ever since it's a baby. Doesn't she get an, you know, isn't she entitled to some happiness or whatever, which mm. is like the opposite of what we were saying about wolf children. Where, uh, yeah. You know, like, I get that she's not Heidi's biological mother, mm. but, like, if you're looking after this girl as a mother for five years, apparently Heidi's supposed to be five years old, um, mm. like, how do you still have that kind of, not resentment, but, like, this idea that, okay, I'm done with this, it's somebody else's turn to look after this thing now? Well, I think she's just human, and she's young, too. Yeah. And, you know, I, I she has heartbroken uh, to leave her, too. That's true. Although, like, the thing is, she demonstrates it so poorly that I was actually questioning why she was crying. Because she's like, you know, she's telling the grandfathers, like, I've looked after her, it's your responsibility, and now she's your granddaughter, whatever. Like, she's just, everything she says, and this might be something to do with the localization, because this is a Swiss-German cartoon. Like, maybe mm-hmm. the dialogue is different. Um and it's just not localized into English very well, but she's just so there's very little hesitancy 
to leave Heidi. Every, whatever she's, you know, whenever she's talking about it, she's like, mm. oh, I've just, you know, I've got this great job in Frankfurt. I've looked after her long enough at somebody else's job now. So that then when she's like upset as she leaves, I was actually like, is there some secret here? Like, why is she so upset? The idea that she's just upset to be giving away her adopted daughter doesn't even mm. seem like the most likely possibility just because of how she has talked about giving away her daughter. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, if memory serves, actually, uh, Detta does something really bad <laughs> in the future episodes too. Oh, really? Oh yeah. Something pretty bad, but, but it's uh, the same. It's like, you know, there's these kids that kind of, you know, try to scare Heidi into thinking that she's going to live with an ogre, um, on the train, Teresa and her mother are, you know, like Teresa's the snooty kid that could, the, her mother just complains about everything. They're scared of a mouse. Um, mm. Peter, the goat herd, is completely uninterested in Heidi. I mean, you know, it seems that he's starting to warm up to her towards the end. But just everybody is such a jerk in this show. <laughs> like, at least yeah. at the start. Like, it's amazing. You know, I understand, you know, that can be character development where someone's like, you know, does, isn't sure what to think about this new person, but they warm up to them. But it's everyone. Everyone is so non-welcoming. It's it's amazing. And maybe this is in the original book. Maybe that's how it is. Because my understanding is that the original book is quite conservative and Christian. Mm. And maybe there's some kind of a redemption story there. Um, and for which everybody has to start off as a jerk, but it was just really striking that there was the only good people were the conductor on the train mm. and the kids that I mentioned who were like trying to scare Heidi into thinking that the uncle was terrible. Their father kind of, um, scolds them for wasting their time being rude instead of, you know, educating themselves. Like he seems like he might be kind of Okay. But everyone mm. else is just so rough. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, the grandpa has to be. Oh, yeah. Like that part I understand deal. perfectly. Like that I get. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're establishing villains, right? Mm -hmm. As far as the other kids. And uh, and the, uh, what's her name? It's Keller? The, the uh, shop owner. Oh. Uh, Teresa's mom. Yeah. Oh, her. Okay. Okay. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah catch her name oh well they're, they're kind of establishing villains there yeah uh, like i got that like that's the thing I, I, like I, I, sorry yeah go ahead well well as for peter i mean that's kind of his thing right he's, he's just kind of goofy loner right so yeah like when it was when when keller and Teresa got onto the train i sort mm. of thought okay these i understand these characters i see what's happening here and then the kids were make, were yelling at Heidi, and then Peter is ignoring Heidi, and then the mm. the other woman that Dee was talking to is talking about how I mean, you know, she's not necessarily a bad person herself, but she's just kind of expressing shock of like, what you're going to live with her? But it's like every character that's introduced, it's like this one doesn't like Heidi, 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 this one doesn't like Heidi. Like there's every character is set up to eventually warm up to Heidi. There's nobody yeah. who is initially has a kind heart in this town. Hmm. 
I guess the animals. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, I think it's an archetype of the time hmm. of there being like a girl whose irrepressibility is what like overcomes everybody. <laughs> I suppose. I suppose that's true. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway. So, yeah, this is this is one that I just watched on a whim. Hmm. Uh, I found it to be really just really watchable. So I actually went through the whole thing oh, for it. Okay. Yeah, well, and also I knew there was history, which is funny because I haven't actually watched the original oh. animated series for it. Huh. Um, I understand this is pretty close to it, but they changed some things, I guess, for modern sensibilities. Mm. All right. Yeah. Well, I, like, like I said, the book is apparently way more Christian. Like there's this whole side plot about the grandfather is resentful to God for abandoning him in some way. Um, <laughs> yeah. But. Um, Doesn't come up in this cartoon. <laughs> okay. And actually, kind of a neat thing in it is that it has a big divergence. Like, there's uh, the second part takes place mostly in the city with new characters. Mm, yeah. I haven't read the books, but, mm. um, well, let me just, uh, let me, da, 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 da. just glancing at the uh, synopsis on Wikipedia briefly, it seems like that's what happens in the uh, books as well. Mm. Uh, it uh, looks like Heidi spends three years living in. Uh, Durfli, and uh, then goes to uh, Frankfurt and lives there. Hmm. Hmm. And I guess she gets. Yeah, I think. I guess she gets uh, homesick for living with uh, her grandfather. Yeah. Oh, she goes. Yeah, she she catches up with Dead. Is what happens. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. But pretty good. I, th- I don't think the show covers that amount of time, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe their character designs get elongated a little bit <laughs> to be taller, but yeah. Yeah. Well, hmm. that's that. I, I was, I, I mean, I only watched two episodes, so maybe there's more to it. I think the initial impression I got was that it's being kind of ham fisted with how many people need to warm up to Heidi. Hmm. Um, the characters and the animals don't look great, hmm. but. All the other artwork. First, I think it's it's worth going at, if, if only because it's so colorful. Yes, yeah. Uh, the backgrounds look so nice, and for sure, yeah. for me, I, I think the characters are pretty nice. Mm. I mean, their hair is a little simplistic, but the core of what they look like, I think, is okay. All right. Well, that seems like it's more or less it. Uh, let's talk about what we're gonna watch next time. Uh, we're going to do the old couple of shorts thing again. And I guess I will start. Mm -hmm. I've noticed that in recent weeks, we've kind of watched a lot of pretty recent stuff, like from the last 20 years with our Invader Zim, this Heidi, Peep in the Big White World. uh. Yeah. So I decided to go the opposite direction and go really old. Okay. So here's what you're going to watch, Micah. All right, gimme, gimme. You're going to watch <laughs> the Windsor McKay silent feature, How a Mosquito Operates. You know, I don't even know that one. Well, you're going to find out. Okay. And the Walt Disney animated feature, Steamboat Willie. Oh, boy. Oh, okay. boy. I was going to joke you wanted to go really old. It would be those uh, first appearances of Pete with the live action girl. <laughs> Not that old. Yeah. S- second wave, Pete, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, 
So I did not go that old. In fact, one, in fact, one pretty recent. One cartoon is a Tom and Jerry, a first for the show. Ooh. It's Duel Personality from 1966. Hmm. Okay. The other one is Popey the Performer. And the episode is Knife Thrower. Pope? From year, the year 2000. Oh, huh. Yeah. Okay. I imagine uh, some Weird. people in the know are rubbing their hands already. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, uh, I'll have to find out what that is. All right. So we've got our assignments. Yep. That's this week's Animation Celery. We'd love to hear from all of you. So let us know what you think of the show and let us know what kind of things you want us to check out. Yeah. Hmm. You can find me, Micah, at DrabSwatch on Twitter. And I am AC Matsy on Twitter. And I also want to know what you want me to watch. So until next time, scream at the top of your lungs so everybody knows about this podcast, the Celery Stalker slogan. Can you do that?